This is The Takeaway. I'm Jay Cowett, in for Melissa Harris-Perry. Good to be with you all today. Melissa is back in the chair tomorrow. And hey, listen, happy 420 to those who celebrate. You know what? Let me hit that. Really? I can handle it. Oh, come on. I smoked a ton of weed in the 90s. Right. The 90s. Um, you know, weed has gotten a lot stronger since then. You honestly think it's gotten so much stronger Keegan. that I just flat out can't handle it? Keegan. You think I'm such a lightweight that if I take one puff... Keegan, I'm you just already gonna... took a puff an hour ago. We've had the same conversation 15 times in a row. Federal legalization of weed is also a conversation the nation continues to have, even as a majority of states have acquiesced to the idea of puff puff pass. And by pass, we mean passing bills on a local level. Recent years have seen a wave of laws in state legislatures that make weed legal for medical and recreational purposes. If you're listening to this show, chances are you can do so while consuming weed legally in some way, shape, or form. Recent bills introduced in Congress point towards a future of possible bipartisan support for the drug's legalization on a federal level. So, we're going to talk about it. We know a guy. My name is Kyle Yeager. I am the senior editor of Marijuana Moment. So, Kyle, your news site, Marijuana Moment, is all about weed, both the legal aspects of it, the political aspects of it, the cultural aspects of it. On this April 20th, 420, 2023, what is the state of our marijuana union? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a year of incredible momentum at the state level and a lot of excitement about some federal developments. We're at a place right now with 21 states that have legalized cannabis for adult use, um, and Kentucky became the 38th state to legalize for medical use uh, this year. And so we've got this um, enormous momentum behind this legalization movement. It's become, you know, so normalized in our society uh, you know, but there's still a lot of challenges ahead, and we still have a lot of obstinance in Congress before we get to a place where it's fully legalized. Um, but you know, this is an exciting period for advocates for this burgeoning industry and uh, and for the consumers who love cannabis. It's the majority of states at this point have some form of statewide legalization of weed. So I guess the right. question is, what's been preventing the legalization of weed federally? Yeah, I mean, the simple answer is there just hasn't been enough support in Congress. I mean, you know, we we have the majority of states that have legalized in some form at this point. We know public opinion backs legalization on a bipartisan basis, but we haven't had the votes, particularly on the Senate side, you know, where they need 60 votes. Even with a um, Democratic majority in the Senate last session, a legalization bill from the majority leader, Chuck Schumer, didn't advance because there was recognition that they didn't have that uh, those six sixty votes, you know. And Republican members are certainly the biggest obstacle. But even some Democratic senators expressed skepticism or opposition last year. Um, so you know, it, there's just this there's this glaring disconnect between the will of voters, what the states are doing, and uh, how our congressional representatives are approaching this issue. And certainly we exist in a a split government right now with the Dems holding the Senate, the Republicans holding the House. There may not be a great incentive to give a win on either side, regardless of whether it's bipartisan right now. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And Republican leadership on the House side hasn't indicated any interest. If anything, you know, key committee chairmen like uh, Jim Jordan's chairing the Judiciary Committee have been hostile toward toward, uh, this issue and toward the idea of broad legalization. And so if lawmakers weren't able to get something passed last session, it just seems fairly untenable um, to, to think that broad sweeping legalization is, is achievable in this Congress. 
We know that so many states have legalized weed, but what would what would a federal legalization mean right now? It kind of depends how how the federal government decides to approach this. If it's simple descheduling, even though that would have a profound effect on these state markets, um, because right now they're locked out of banking services and, and other financial services that are available to other traditional industries. And so it would it would definitely boost the economy, provide access to capital for for different communities to participate in the market. It would likely embolden states that haven't come around toward legalization, who might just have medical, who might not have anything at all to, to finally take that step, because it's a, a refrain you hear you know, very often, particularly in more conservative legislatures that, you know, they just are unwilling to move on this issue, despite the popularity of it. And despite the fact that, the, you know, neighboring states have done it because marijuana remains a schedule one drug under federal law. We know that the president can do a number of things with just the stroke of a pen and he's done so already and he can do more. Can you remind our listeners what president Biden has done on this level and what he may be able to do in terms of executive orders bypassing uh, Congress entirely. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of hope within the community that Biden takes that takes that step and does something executively. But President Biden issued a mass pardon last year for affecting about six thousand five hundred people, um, giving formal forgiveness for um, federal marijuana possession offenses. And he also issued a directive to federal agencies, specifically the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and uh, and the Justice Department, to carry out an administrative review into marijuana scheduling. So like I said, it's currently a Schedule One drug under the Controlled Substances Act. Um, that is the strictest category. It's up there with heroin. And so what he's done is he's directed um, HHS, specifically FDA, to carry out a scientific review into cannabis. It's an eight-step scientific review. And what they'll do is then take their findings, make a recommendation on either rescheduling it, placing it in, in a lower schedule, or fully descheduling it, or they could also recommend keeping it in Schedule One. Um, then they give those uh, they, they give that, those recommendations and scientific findings to the DEA, and DEA has the final say. So they they the scientific findings are binding, but DEA gets to decide what to do with it at that stage. I think there's a little bit of a you know, misconception about what the president can unilaterally do beyond what he's already done. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of the biggest step that that he could take within the confines of federal statutes. But uh, yeah, this the scheduling review is ongoing and um, it'll be very interesting to see where they land. All right. We're talking about all things weed on 420. More on this right after the break. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back with Kyle Yeager, senior editor of Marijuana Moment. So some of the criticism behind the pardon from President Biden for federal pot convictions 
is that it didn't necessarily free anybody up. It removed blame and, and liability, but there weren't that many people behind bars on federal marijuana charges. So what impact is the state legalization or the state referendums having on minority populations? Certainly when any, any state takes that step of, of legalizing marijuana, that, you know, that means removing criminal penalties and removing the, the pretext for law enforcement to enforce criminalization of cannabis, um, which we know has, has disproportionately affected uh, black and brown communities. Black and brown people are four times more likely to be arrested over cannabis than their white counterparts, despite comparable rates of usage. So state efforts to legalize, you know, reduce those arrests. Um, I would say, though, that legalizing it doesn't make every activity legal. And so there are still penalties and violations on the book. And, and there is, you know, the, the trends of racial disparities in enforcement of those laws has persisted in a lot of these states. And that's an issue that regulators and advocates continue to work on. But, you know, I think in recognition of these disparities and recognition that the war on drugs in general has had extremely disparate impacts on on these uh, minority and, and low income communities that has in, informed legislation. So the legalization laws that we're seeing have evolved to prioritize things like licensing for for um, for people who've been disproportionately impacted and, you know, providing specific grants for community reinvestment, things to recognize and support where these harms have fallen. But with the umbrella of federal prohibition, there's still these financial barriers that uh, that black and brown communities in particular face um, in trying to enter these markets. So recently, uh, Republican Representative Dave Joyce from Ohio and House Minority Leader uh, Hakeem Jeffries on the Democrat side filed the PREPARE Act. Tell me about the PREPARE Act and what it's supposed to be doing on the federal level. Yes. Yeah, so the PREPARE Act is a bill that is fairly incremental and modest and bipartisan, where it is just directing the attorney general to create a 15-member commission to study uh, study legalization and look at different regulatory models, specifically with an eye toward regulating marijuana like alcohol. And then they would provide those recommendations. And the intent there is to is to inform future legislation. And that's kind of the type of incremental step that I think is is achievable in this divided Congress. While it recognizes the inevitability of legalization, it gives more time and more cover to, to lawmakers who are still on the fence. And this is something that we've seen play out a number of times at the state level where, you know, lawmakers who are on the fence, who aren't quite ready to take the dive into enacting uh, legalization and creating a regulated market take that first step of creating a, a work group or a task force comprised of experts to study what other states are doing, what is unique about their state and how they, their legalization laws might benefit from being different, providing those recommendations to the legislature. And then from there on out, we see different proposals uh, form. Overall, how much does normalization of consuming weed play into a lot of these things. It's pretty normal to go to a bar and, and have a beer. It's still somewhat new for a lot of our population to think about going into a store, legally buying a joint, walking right out on the street and smoking it or smoking it at a party the same way you would you would drink a beer. Do you think we're at a point in this country where, where normalization is inevitable or do you think that it's something that could kind of fall into these various culture wars that we see in, in politics and in life so much that this could actually take a while for people to see marijuana as a as a normal, legal, recreational tool. I'm talking to you from California. You know, we've had a medical market for 
quite some time now, and we're we're a few years into our adult use market. And I can tell you, I mean, it's 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 culturally very accepted, um, you know, to see dispensaries. To you know, in in Los Angeles, they even have you know cafes, social consumption cafes, where you can go in, get a bite to eat, smoke a joint, um, and it's fairly uh, well tolerated, I would say, societally. But it does take time. You know, we're still at a point where you know there are tobacco smoking areas where marijuana isn't permitted. You can't, you know, there aren't cannabis bars that are widespread. Um, and so I think that it's taking a little bit of time for for the for the culture and to to catch up and for for people to find their comfort zones within this industry. But at the same time, you know, for states where these dispensaries and and uh, industries are entirely new, you know, I think it just kind of takes going into these dispensaries, seeing what uh, you know a regulated uh, retailer looks like, and and recognizing that it's not, it's not much different than. Uh, going into, you know, any other uh, storefront selling vices. It's, you know, and so I think there's definitely a social learning curve, but um, that that we're still moving toward and would certainly benefit from federal legalization. But I think it, it's only a matter of time before it becomes normalized in the way that, you know, we think about things like alcohol. I think we'll see a presidential candidate who openly uses marijuana anytime soon. I wouldn't be surprised if we see see a member of Congress or two in the next couple of years. The active active use under federal prohibition that would be that would be pretty stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Yeager is the senior editor at Marijuana Moment. Kyle, thank you so much for giving us your time today, and uh, happy 420. Thank you so much. 